welcome to Offkey, a member and labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Hey, and welcome back to Offkey. This week I'm talking to Alexis Young of the band Blonde Diamond. While Alexis is based out of Vancouver, she was kind enough to hop on a call with me to chat about how she first got into music, her graphic design background, the importance of live performances, and she also gave me a few suggestions on vintage shopping in Vancouver. Apologies for the state of my voice during some points of this episode. Seasonal allergies have been a rude awakening back to reality after a few days of springtime sun. Anyways, let's get into our conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It still feels the same. I like to learn the hard way. I like to learn cool. Um, well, thank you so much, Alexis, for coming onto the podcast. And how I've kind of been starting each episode just to get a little bit of context, I guess, is asking, like, where did you kind of grow up and how did you first get involved into music, I guess? Was born in northern Ontario in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> it's actually um, this cute little town called Sulaquil, and then um, my formative, uh, most important years of coming into my identity, I suppose, would be um, in Calgary. I grew up there from like five until eighteen, so um, that was a very interesting place to grow up as an artist. It was kind of a little bit counterintuitive at times. But uh, it was it was really lovely, and I quite enjoyed it. I, funny enough, actually have some really close family friends from Sioux Lookout. I've never been, but I know of what you're talking what? about. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. They lived there for um, a few years. I think I think they moved out here probably like four years ago now, um, but they had like their first two daughters over there, um, which is kind of funny. No way. <laughs> yeah. That is so random like everybody I've ever told about Silicon most people are just like eh? yeah but, I don't um, think great. I could point it out on a map but I know of it <laughs> <laughs> to be fair I think I could more or less point it out generally but I couldn't point it out exactly anymore <laughs> so, yeah. um was your like family into music or kind of how did you first get involved in it because you were saying Calgary was um, kind of like a weird place for that. Mm-hmm. Like, is it not like super conducive to music? Yeah, or, not yeah. not not particularly. Um, both of my parents um, are lawyers or were lawyers, I should say. Neither of them practice anymore, but they were both lawyers. So that was a pretty um, kind of not necessarily like academic household, but just like not super, not a super emphasis on the, on the creative side, um, but my older brother turned out to be kind of like a, a musical prodigy, and so he was kind of like the first person in my family who um, started playing music and was interested in music and, you know, put things on around the house, so I didn't really learn anything about music from my parents, but um, I learned a lot about music from my brother, and then also from my older sister as well because she had such a completely um, opposite taste from my brother so I, I got you know dance mix 98 <laughs> and all, all my 
sweet kind of like clubhouse, like Chris Shepard remixes for my mm-hmm. sister, and then with my brother, I listen to like No Effects and Mill and Colin and like uh, Refused and like lots of lots of punk bands. And so I had a very like you know diverse set of influences growing up. Um, and then like through, through my dad, you know, I'd listen to like Elvis and Frank Sinatra and um, kind of through being exposed to such a wide variety of things. I think it was kind of a nice way to just find an appreciation in everything and not not really feel super um, kind of like, you know, any, any one musical style is like, this is the style for me. I kind of feel like I have a love and appreciation for um, a multitude of different genres. I kind of feel the same way. Like, I feel like I have pretty eclectic music tastes definitely just from yeah what I heard kind of growing up and yeah stuff like that which makes you know when your phone's on shuffle always like a little bit risky but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny because like as a a creator of music I definitely find myself kind of um getting drawn to like a certain style of melody or a certain style of rhythm and that kind of ultimately is like how you have like a more or less consistent feel to your sound and what contributes to it being like quote unquote real sound. But I listen to like all different types of music. So I think that's kind of cool for when you're creating something. So even though like ultimately when, you know, the song or the album or whatever is finished, it has a kind of cohesive quality to it. There is a lot of elements of inspiration that came from a like wide variety of, of different influences and sounds and stuff so it's kind of a cool way of like taking in a lot of different things in your life and then distilling it down to your taste and your vision and kind of making it your own mm-hmm, totally um how did blonde diamond like your music project like how did that kind of get started or come to be um, yeah so so you know, the super story, the origin story of Blonde Diamond is essentially that uh, I was playing in, like, a local uh, Vancouver band, like a dance rock band called Sex of Strangers, um, much to my parents' chagrin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was playing in that band for a while, and it was awesome and super, super fun. But I joined that band later, and I, I didn't really feel like it was... Um, proper um, expression of, like, you know, my artistic views on the world, and so I was kind of writing my own music during that time, and then when it came to the point um, that I felt ready to do something with it, I, um, you know, had a a pretty, I feel very fortunate that um, most of my best friends are all musicians, just kind of by, you know, the proximity of us all working together and playing them together and so really I just kind of messaged my friends and was like you guys want to play some of these songs with me and they were on super on board and then after our first ever show we just you know kept going and you know it's been been the original lineup more or less since that time and uh yeah I mean that's that's kind of it's not really the most crazy origin story (laughs) but it's just like you know, a, a, a group of BFFs just, like, playing music, traveling around together, and, like, trying to have a good time, so. 
Cool. Pretty much. Yeah. When was that? Like, how long ago? Like, how long have you guys been together as a group now? Um, I was like 2015-ish, 2016. So we've been together, yeah, three and a half, three. Yeah, basically, I guess almost four years, which is really crazy to think about it. Like, the last couple of years have really just, like, blown by so fast as well. Yeah, they really have this year. I can't believe like it's already mm-hmm. mid March. Oh a little my bit gosh. too fast. <laughs> really, really so fast. It's so crazy. I heard this analogy, it's like such an old person analogy, but it's like life is like a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> the closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. Oh my god. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's a good one. Yeah. I feel like I want my sister to cross stitch that for my bathroom. You know, seems like it would be an appropriate cross stitch. Yeah, I yeah I agree on something like with a lot of florals, maybe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, or like a china, like um, like a china floral print, like the blue and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, very doily like. Um, you said that you were playing. You said you were playing bass, right? Is that did I hear correctly in the previous band? Uh, I was playing keyboard. Keyboard. Actually. Why did I pull mm-hmm. that out of literally nowhere? Okay. Um, you were playing keyboard. Sometimes I would play keyboard bass. <laughs> keyboard bass. Keytar. <laughs> did you study music or? I didn't. No. No. I am a DIYer. Okay. So cool. I actually went to university for graphic design. And then the whole time I was at school, I just played in bands the whole time. Kind of in this sort of ironic cruel twist of fate in the sense of like why did I spend all this money on tuition for this you know job that ultimately I just want to end up going to music anyways but I mean sometimes it's kind of you have to go through that process to really figure out what it is that you want to really be doing with, with your life but yeah no I'm, I'm mostly self-taught I did take some um, piano lessons as a very small child and uh, in the last um, two years I guess um, I started seeing a vocal coach who has like absolutely changed my life, changed my world, made it so much easier for me to tour and do kind of um, a lot more like strenuous um, shows. Um, so that's been really nice to have some like proper vocal training because I used to blow my voice out all the time. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a dynamite use, and it was just like not a sustainable way of hearing playing shows, so take care of your vocal cords, kids, because you only got the one set. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, were you studying in um in Calgary, or in you're in Vancouver now, right? Yeah, so I moved um, to Vancouver when uh, I was 20. I kind of took a couple years off from high school to move to Vancouver and backpacked around for a while, did that whole thing, got in touch with my... <laughs> My traveling hippie side, um, and yeah, moved to Vancouver and, and went to school here. So I've been in Vancouver for about uh, nine years. Okay, cool. Do you like it? I do. I do really like it. I mean, it's like any city; it you know has its pros and cons, and um, there's times when I kind of crave a little bit more action and crave a little bit more of kind of like a scene and things going on and happening, but. There's definitely times when, like, I feel like I've just been go, go, go and working all the time, and I 
appreciate the kind of serenity and tranquility that Vancouver has to offer because um, it is a really, really beautiful place to live, and I feel very lucky to live in such a visually stunning city it's pretty lucky in vancouver and i guess just on the west coast in general not that there's very many big cities at all there are none actually except for vancouver um but it's nice at least like you don't need to go that far to get out of the city yeah exactly i i mean i've never really been um a big uh i don't know nature person for lack of a better term. I feel like but, I'm wasted on um, the West Coast. <laughs> I know, well, because I, I, I did feel like it was a kind of interesting choice um, for me to stay here once I started pursuing music really heavily and I would just kind of always be at the jam space or always be in the studio and kind of, or always be in like a bar or a club or a venue or something and I was kind of always indoors and in the dark and it was kind of, I thought a bit ironic living in such a naturally beautiful city that I Never went like hiking, or rarely went hiking. It's like never went skiing or snowboarding, or really took um, advantage of the you know beauty that is around here. So I feel now I'm starting to try to do that a little bit more. And I think because I spent a lot of time in LA, just kind of going back and forth and um, splitting my time, I kind of save you know the hustle and bustle you know, studio crazy times for LA, and then when I come back to Vancouver, it's like rest time, rejuvenate time, nature time, and so that's, that's been a pretty nice balance, I feel like I've, I've found a good place there. Yeah, I am kind of the same way about the West Coast, like I've, I've literally, like I've never even been camping before, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is, like it was just nothing like I did when I was growing up, so I feel like now I've just committed to a life of not ever doing that. Yeah, Which maybe I will someday. <laughs> it really is a commitment because if you don't have the gear, like for camping or even for going skiing, like you've got to invest in all that, and it's like you've got to set aside the time. And you know, for me, if I've got eight hours on a Saturday, like it would be nice to go for a hike, and it is important to like set that time aside. But usually, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna like, you know, go into the studio and like write for eight hours or twelve hours and just like hold myself in this dark room for as long as possible <laughs> but yeah totally yeah. to each their own to each their own i mean i ride my bike a lot which is pretty pretty awesome so i like biking um that's kind, of, that's kind of my way of getting out there and feeling the wind on my skin before i lock myself in another dark room again yeah i do that it's like i'll take the dog out and then i'm like okay i've done it today <laughs> yeah exactly for anyone that's not familiar with your music, kind of how do you describe Blonde Diamond's sound, I guess, to new listeners? Yeah, so uh, we used to call it uh, what the 60s thought the future would sound like. Uh, mm-hmm. which, I love that. Yeah, it's kind of kind of semi-appropriate description. I do kind of feel like we've evolved a little bit outside of that. Um, and more recently, we were described as sounding simultaneously dreamy and vicious, which I think is kind of a little bit more um, accurate nowadays because I do, I am really drawn to kind of ethereal and atmospheric sound and textures, um, but as a as a performer, I just kind of have this like 
crazy energy that is is like summoned and then released and um so it's kind of this interesting dichotomy of the kind of chillness of the tones of the instrument and then the like feverish frenzy that I get into when I you know, step on stage or get into the recording booth. So um I guess not really in the recording booth. The the recordings um is definitely more mellow than the live show for sure. Do you kind of like um what am I trying to say here? Do you like having that juxtaposition, I guess, between like the, maybe like the softness of maybe soft is the wrong word, but like yeah, a bit more of like a dreamy sound of like a recorded track, and then being able to change it a lot when you perform it live. Yeah, I do. I do really like that because I've kind of always been of the mindset that a live show should feel different. It should feel new every time. Like you shouldn't really know what to expect because you're you're going there to experience you know humans creating something live for you on stage even though it's been rehearsed and it's been practiced and um you know there there is an element of structure to it but there's like that that excitement of knowing that it is being crafted for you right in front of you so you know anything could go wrong or anything could happen and there's just kind of this air of spontaneity and with the with the record, it's kind of like you know that it's like your old reliable. Like the sound's not going to change. Like it's it's always going to sound the exact same. And so I do feel like sometimes a little bit disappointed personally when I go to see a show of an artist that I really love and their their performance is just verbatim their recording on the album. And, you know, it's it's just kind of like, well, I know what this sounds like. I like what it sounds like. I was kind of hoping that, I know, maybe you would give it a new spin or an interesting, like, development or kind of, like, riff on it and kind of inject, like, a little bit of, like, newness or freshness or something that you wouldn't get from listening to the album, which is why I feel like people go to shows and, like, pay money to go to these shows. It's like there should be something special about that moment that you wouldn't get from the album. Yeah. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I think, with art and not just like not just music, but music and visual arts as well for so long, I think that how good somebody is is like how was measured by how well they can replicate something else, if that makes sense. So even mm-hmm. in terms of like visual arts, like, oh, this person is good at drawing because the horse they drew looks like a horse so therefore like they're a talented artist I think was like a standard for a very long time with representational art um until obviously contemporary modern art comes in um but I think that people kind of have a tendency to do the same with music as well which is kind of a shame because you'll look at you know live performances and stuff on YouTube and the comments of like oh, they're so talented, they're so amazing. It's just like, they sound just like they do on the track. It's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it is just kind of a different way of expressing and then also experiencing something. And I think that, you know, people who have, like, incredible technical prowess who are able to, you know, play things, like, perfectly every single time or, you know, they have, like, incredible memorization or incredible, like, techniques and dexterity and skills that you're just like, wow, that's amazing. And that's, that is a skill in and of itself. And that's, that's really amazing. 
Um, but then when you go to see a show and there's someone performing to like a backing track and there's, there's not even like a human being creating that sound for you, it's kind of just, I mean, sometimes when I'm feeling ditchy, I just call it glorified karaoke because, you know, <laughs> there's no, there's, there's nobody else, you know, on stage supporting this singer unless it's like, you know, they have like one other person and, Maybe the singer's, you know, playing another instrument as well. But it's just, I don't know, it just feels like a cop-out for me. And I feel like there's a struggle um, in the industry right now because I know even for us, as a, as a five-piece band, it's actually, we're pretty rare. And, um, you know, we've often encountered situations where, you know, we've been offered something and they're like, well, yeah, but you've got to scale down to a three piece. And I'm like, well, that's not the deal. That's oh. not. That's not how this performance goes. Like, it's if you get the five of us, you get the full experience of how we want to present this music to the audience and to you, or you don't get us at all. And you can find a three piece who would fit, you know, to your needs. Um, but you know, people were like, well, just you know, just scale it back, just play some recordings, you know. And I'm like. It's not the same. It's it's no. not even going to be the same at all. And I don't want to, like, sell the people who have come, you know, become our fans short on, like, a watered-down version of a Blonde Diamond show that's, like, no, that's, that's not what people are signing up for. That's not why people come to see us because it's, like, they don't want to just see, like, you know, me hit play on something and then not have, like, my incredible bandmates there supporting me and, like, you know, serving up fabulous energy, like, I, and, and I feed off of their energy as well, like, I would never want to perform, like, solo with just a backing track, you know, it's like, there's just that kind of, like, organic quality and, like, energy to having actual human bodies on stage creating sounds for you, and, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's just been tough, like, recently, because it is also expensive, to tour with five people um and so you know people are like how do we streamline you know we have the technology to streamline and i'm like yeah but you know what like we have the technology but the technology in my opinion sometimes makes things more sterile and i was gonna say yeah it's cheaper but it's, it's cheaper financially but then it also cheapens the whole experience and so it's like well, what would you rather? And for me, I'm like, I'd rather just not play that show. I wouldn't want to play like a subpar half-ass show with a recording when I know that like as a five-piece, you know, blow the roof off of somewhere if you give us enough tequila. Yep, totally. <laughs> or no I feel tequila, like, <laughs> or no tequila, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whiskey, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think sterile, sorry, sterile is definitely the word I would use for something that is, like, so, yeah, I guess just, like, cut and paste from. Yeah, it's just boring. Like, go home. I don't want to see you. Um, I was talking to um, Sarah McDougall for a previous episode, and she was kind of saying, you know, like, a lot of the time the audience like they're like happy for a mistake or happy for a slip up because it makes you know the the experience unique right exactly and you're never gonna you know 
make the exact same mistake every single time unless you're you're kind of like amazingly horrible but like (laughs) never going to be which I I mean I've done I've forgotten like the same lyric over and over again (laughs) but um you know like yeah there's 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 something special about like that exact moment to never be replicated exactly the same ever again and it's just like it's an incredibly special and unique moment to that night and you know, like I said, even if you play the same set and, like, series of songs in a row, it's still never going to be the exact same show because it's impossible. Exactly. And, that's, yeah, that's what I love about it. Like, if you go see a band, like, you know, they sell out, let's say, like, the Commodore in Vancouver three nights in a row, and you go see the three nights in a row, it's like, the reason why people go all three nights is because it's a different show each time. And it's, and it's because it's real and it's raw. And, um, yeah, I just feel like it's important for like modern artists who are um, taking advantage of technology to create amazing music and amazing sounds to not lose that kind of life quality, like that life force quality of still crafting things and creating things. Um, live and in the moment and um, even, you know, I feel like I'm like rambling a little bit on this, but <laughs> even um, um, even people who use technology like, you know, they're, they're, they're playing with like Ableton Live or they're playing with like um, lots of different like looping pedals and effects pedals and they're, they're using technology to create these sounds. Like it's not exclusively organic instruments, but the point is they are playing and performing it for you live and it's not just recorded uh you know, a pre recording of what they did at home originally and then they just play it back. So I feel like that's kind of, you know, where where the special magic is. It's just like not being afraid to take a risk and, and maybe you know, fuck it all up. That's kind of that's where the beauty lies. I agree completely. Um, I read that you've like you've toured all over, like all across Canada, like the U.S., Europe. Like you've been to India. What were some of the really like notable shows that you've performed, or cities that you visited? Even kind of what stood out? Um. Oh my God. There's so many. Like I, I mean, we like played in a castle in Bavaria in Germany. We um played um the basement of a biker bar in Reno. We <laughs> we played um well yeah, we played this like, you know, the Coachella of India, um, which was, you know, super wild. We played like huge, massive like stadiums and, and fields and then we played like or like festivals I should say and then we played um this one bar that their sewage system was backing up and smelled like ooh and hot dogs because it was also a hot dog. Um uh yeah they also had hot dogs there and I was like don't sell those hot dogs and seems like that food space restriction. Um it's been really colorful, you know, it's like really been all over the place. But um yeah, I don't know, I think one of one of my favorite venues to play with uh, 
the Paradiso in Amsterdam. Um, that venue is just like, it's so legendary and so beautiful, like so breathtakingly beautiful. And I like, think all the bands that have passed through there previous, it was such an honor to play there. We played there twice, um, on two different tours and that was really amazing. Um, and, uh, well, I think that, that, that one's possibly my favorite show. I'm, I'm sure I'm like forgetting something. Listen to the sweet shows in the UK as well. But, uh, oh, we played at like someone's, uh, it wasn't like an official show that we played. It was actually a day off on our tour when we were in Germany and we were just staying at like a Airbnb. And as we were bringing all of our luggage into the Airbnb apartment, um, the guy who was owning, who owned it, was like, oh, you guys musicians are like, yeah, and he's like, oh, like, I own the bar downstairs, and like, we, I'd love it for you if you just wanted to play some music for us, and we were like, no way, like, you can't just, like, <laughs> ask us to, you know, play, like, we, this is our day off on tour, blah, 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 and then, mm-hmm. like, we were just, like, kind of tired of grumpy, and, like, literally five minutes later, his, he was the nicest man of all time, his name was actually Jolly. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes, and he was just so sweet and like didn't really need to convince us for very long at all. And so, um, we went downstairs at like eight o'clock and we called up all of his friends in the village. Um, and there was probably like 20 or 30 just like kind of old timer, like village German folks just sitting around with, like, their beer watching us, and we, like, played a trip down set and hung out with them all night, and, like, the bar that we played in was over 200 years old, and, um, it's just kind of, like, this cool old uh, grotto cave-style tavern, and it was, it was pretty cool. That sounds, like, that doesn't sound like real life. It sounds so idyllic and, like, sweet <laughs> and... <laughs> I know, but yeah, they were like feeding us like homemade schnapps and like made us, made us dinner and, and it was just, it was really lovely and like I, I like, um, that kind of this, you know, stage that we, we are at. Um, like as a band, we are still kind of DIYing it and like making it work and, you know, all cramming ourselves into a hotel room often, and those are the those are the times that like you meet the most unexpected people, and you know have the most unexpected adventures, and um, so it can be really hard, and you know we, sometimes we all like hate each other because we just spend so much time together in such close proximity. But it's also really incredible that we get to share all these moments of like just weird, random strangeness and adventure and um just try to try to have the best time possible and just try to be nice to each other and, and appreciate what we're doing in the moment. Totally. Does it end before you know it? <laughs> the end of the toilet paper roll. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Um, last year, you guys released your EP, Fantasy Love. Um, what kind of inspired it, I guess, and how, like, I know your guys' name changed, but kind of how has your, like, how has your sound, I guess, developed or matured, sorry, I'm losing my voice, um, since 2016's EP, Feel All Right? 
Um, the first EP, Feel Alright, was definitely, um, you know, as my first foray into songwriting, kind of, in a sense, um, was kind of like a bunch of different things that I tried, and it it feels like almost like a little bit more disconnected, because I was like, oh, this this one sounds kind of like this, this one sounds kind of like that, this one sounds kind of like this, and then over the course of, um, you know, the next like two or so years performing, um, I kind of got a better sense of it, what kind of music I was more inspired by and attracted to playing and performing. Um, and so that kind of um, dictated a bit of the evolution for the next EP Fantasy Love. Um, and Fantasy Love, I wrote um, most of it in L.A., I just flew down there by myself and just lived there for a couple months and, you know, was just going through a time. So when went down there, just wanted to be by myself, and I wrote almost the whole uh, EP. There, um, the only one better when you close the first track was the one, only one written. Yeah, I wrote like 50 songs in like two months, and it was just like kind of this like bar of emotions and then kind of picked picked the ones that I liked the best and then kind of just with those and um I think that the evolution of sound from the first EP to the second EP is definitely um a little bit more upbeat. Um but also a, a lot darker. And and kind of subtly darker because that initially I thought that I was writing happy songs or like happy sounding songs and when I was playing them to my friends and to my peers, they were like, wow, these are like way, way darker and way moodier. I was like, what, really? You think so? And then I was, you know, listening to it and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's kind of like, sometimes it's like, I, I guess I have a tendency to write more happy, upbeat songs with like a darker kind of more moodier lyrical content. Um, I kind of like that, you know, you're like tricking yourself into Feeling happy and dancing that you're actually like, oh, I feel, I feel all the feelings. Um, but yeah, this next, this next, we're working on new music right now, which I'm really, really excited about because it's like, I think some of my favorite songs ever. And we're, we're writing them all together and, um, more of a traditional kind of like band format of like just jamming it out in the jam space instead of me just being alone at my laptop with my, you know, little MIDI keyboard, so it just feels like a lot more dynamic. I feel like there's going to be a lot more kind of like instrumental nuggets and stuff that I'm really excited to um, develop that sound a little bit more. So, um, yeah, really excited about the stuff that we've been working on in the last couple months, actually. That's awesome. Um, Do you feel like the songwriting process in working with a group, like are you guys working together mostly for the musical content or for lyrics as well? Um, they usually leave the lyrics up to me. Nobody really wants to touch those. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it's kind of more of a general like vibe and feeling like rhythm and flow and then um, you know, instrumental parts as well. But I mean everybody Everyone has their respective instruments that they play, but um, we all kind of contribute and chime into um, 
other parts, like, you know, uh, like our drummer would, you know, suggest something to the guitar, so the bass player would suggest something to the keyboard player, and, you know, I mean, I don't know why I called them by their instruments. They have names. I don't know why I didn't use their names. <laughs> I guess because, I guess, for the listener, they don't know who is who, but Malcolm could suggest something to Lewis, Pascal says something to Bruce, it just seems, like, kind of funny that I, I, like, used their instrument names. That felt very, like, robot overlord of me. So. <laughs> I'll put a photo in the blog post with okay, everyone's yeah. names <laughs> and respective instruments. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really, it's been a good um, creative exercise and not just, like, I don't know, I feel like it's a greater lesson that I've learned just in general, not even in music, is, like, you don't have to do everything by yourself. You can ask for help. And sometimes things are a lot better when you open yourself up to, you know, contribution from others because you get new ideas that you never would have thought of. You can, like, you know, use people as a sounding board and a reference. And, um, you know, they can share in their wisdom that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's been a, that's been a thing for me in music and then in life in general, you know? Mm-hmm. I struggle with that. I like feel like I just like keep my projects to myself because I'm just like, I don't want you to touch this. But then it's usually like nine times out of ten better with help. It's it is it is like yeah nine times out of ten better when you reach out for help. You know, people, your friends and people who love you are there to support you, and I I feel like I like just having that little balance of you know support and then also kind of being able to, like, manage things myself because I wouldn't say that I'm a, a control freak per se, but I definitely just like to know everything that's going on and kind of know that, like, you know, I can, I can like, pivot if need be for whatever is coming up and just kind of um, have more of an overall sense of, of what's going on and um Really, I've learned that I don't like being told what to do. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's not really a recent thing that I've discovered, but, um, I just, I really, I just, I'm not a very good employee. I'm not a very good, like, you know, subordinate. Um, I just have a real problem with that. And so I kind of, realize that like if you're not really going to be very good at working for somebody else then you know, just work for yourself and then you know and then you take the fall if it all goes to shit you know like you're the, you're the one who takes the brunt of the responsibility as well and so that to me may actually makes me feel a little bit better about taking a risk about something because you know my band is like my family and like i Although, you know, they contribute in their part of it, I know that, like, you know, I would assume the brunt of any um, failure if if something went wrong. And so it's kind of like a bit of like a, a perspective that I feel towards them as well. Yeah, it's hard. I think any sort of, yeah, putting out any kind of creative endeavor, any kind of project, like anytime you release a project, it's hard. <laughs> Because feedback is so good, but yeah, it's it's hard sometimes. Yeah, it, and it's just like you know, compromising 
your vision or, you know, sometimes someone else has to do something. It's like, this is how it should be. You need to hear what it sounds like in my head. But, um, yeah. And then other times, like, compromise is beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world because you get to share in a piece or a part of something that you've created with somebody else. And, um, that's really, really amazing. And collaboration is one of the coolest things, um, you know, that you're able to take what's in your head or, um, you know, what it, what it is that your vision and then merge it and meld it into someone else's vision and it takes on a completely new form and entity than has ever been created before. And you're like, wow, we just made something that never existed before. Now it's entirely unique. Have you guys done any, um, as Blonde Diamond, have you done any collaborations with other artists? Yeah, um, we, when we went to Australia, um, for Australian Music Week, um, we were kind of sent over there as like, um, not like an ambassador of Canada, but kind of like, you know, one of, how many, I don't know how many, I want to say like 10 or 15, like kind of token Canadian projects. And so we were paired up with an Australian band down there called That Is The Lion. And um, we co-wrote a song with them that we recorded at the festival. And we actually never released it. Not because we didn't like it. It's a really great song. I feel like we, we really need to release it. It's such a cool track that's an interesting hybrid of like there's five of us in our band and then there's four of them in their band and so there's like nine people all getting together to write this song it's pretty cool and we filmed a music video for it when we um both in toronto for canadian music week and yeah we actually never saw the light of day but not for any reason in particular just because we're musicians and we're procrastinators and that's completely lazy i think um yeah, so we, we worked with Red is the Lions, we worked, um, I released, um, in a completely opposite side of the spectrum of genre, there's this Montreal duo called Fabricate, that was a K, um, in the middle, um, that we did like a great passion fruit cover, so that was like very, very different from a, a normal, um, blonde diamond. Yeah, song and then, that is really different. Uh, yeah, it's just the kind of like trappy, the, the title version of it is actually. Um, and then um, Sleepy Tom, who has produced both of our EPs, he has his own, um, you know, career as a DJ. He's worked with like Diplo and a bunch of other people. And um, we released a track that we wrote together um, in August of 2018. And that one's kind of fun because it's definitely a hybrid of both of our worlds. Uh, we, we had like so much fun writing that song. So that, that, there's definitely been some collaborations out there. Hope I'm not forgetting anybody. But it, it is really fun to collaborate as a band too with another band. Like, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it really doesn't. It's also really interesting when you don't, when you don't collaborate well with someone. Like, oh, this is it? Yeah, in, like, any kind of relationship, I was just talking about this to somebody, but, like, no matter what, chemistry is so important, and, like, some people, even, like, with an audience, I'm sure, like, some people you vibe with, some people you don't, and then that's just kind of yeah the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like, 
chemistry is very, I wouldn't say it's like underlooked. It's pretty important, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely like a, a crucial aspect of, you know, trying to create something together because if you don't have that flow, if you don't have that, like, ability to communicate ideas, um, or if you, if you don't have a similar vision and aesthetic and taste, it's just, it's so interesting because there's people that I'm friends with that once we, once we try to create together, it was just not working. It was not jiving. And it didn't make any sense. I'm like, why? We, we, we love each other. We're friends. We, we like, you know, we, we really like hanging out together, but, but creating together was really hard. And then there's other people, you know, on the other side of that where we're not friends whatsoever, but we, we work so well together. We write so well together and like get so much shit done and just kind of just pours out. So it's kind of, it's just, it's very interesting how, you know, you can be um, kind of intuitive with other people on different levels, whether it's like friendship or creativity or like a romantic or otherwise, like very interesting how, how you mesh with other human beings. I find that so fascinating. What draws me to another human being? What is this chemistry thing? Like, I don't like you, but I love you. I know, it's so bizarre. Yeah, some people, like, you don't, like, get along with on a personal level at all, but, like, yeah, you can, like, work together so well, or, yeah, vice versa. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, yeah. I find that kind of, like, element of relationships between two human beings super, super interesting. Definitely, like, um, something that I was kind of exploring a little bit on the last EP, Fantasy Love, and probably will continue to try to explore a little bit on the next one. Whatever this next one turns into, I don't know yet. Still a baby. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. The way kind of that you express, I guess, like your, I guess, would like brand be the right word, or like your art, your work, um, kind of like through clothing and like social media, and like, I'm like speaking mostly to your Instagram and like your website. It's very stylized and like very well curated. Um, what like you're also a graphic designer like how does that kind of influence that like do you find that it does and kind of what's your relationship I guess to you know like fashion and social media when it comes to yeah like communicating with your audience kind of what your music and like your artwork is all about yeah I mean I think I I, I would be lying if I said that going to school for design didn't affect the way that our aesthetic is today you know you know, earlier on in our interview, I kind of mentioned that it was kind of annoying that I went to school for one thing and then ultimately pursued another. But I'm I'm actually really grateful that I did study um, design and and also like marketing and communications as well um, because it's been so helpful in this era of like you know DIY music scene where you know labels have become irrelevant or, you know, they're trying to become relevant again in some form or other, but it's really, you know, like everything is user generated and everything is kind of, um, you know, about doing it yourself. You can upload the music, upload your own music and distribute it yourself. You can, um, you know, create all your own content and everything yourself. And I think um, in that realm, like with that being said, um, 
it's great that I just get to design all my own album artwork and posters and like Facebook and like Facebook posts and, and whatever. Um, because A, I know how I kind of want things to look and feel, um, more or less. And then B, it's a lot cheaper because <laughs> I don't have to pay anybody. I don't pay myself. It's just like, like really valuable time. But I, I, I just, um, I just enjoy doing that kind of work too. It's like, it's a completely different creative muscle, um, creative puzzle to solve. So, um, yeah, I, I do, I do feel like the fact that I'm a visual artist as well has definitely helped with things looking kind of visually cohesive. I, sometimes I feel like oh, I could put more work into it or put more time into it and make it look even more cohesive. Um, and then other times I feel kind of like, um, you know, but kind of, kind of like fuck that sentiment of trying to make things look curated and perfect and, and just, just take a photo and then post it instead of just like, you know, instead of laboring over whether the, the yellow from this wall is going to work with the, the red of the backdrop from the one next to it or if it's like two giant faces in a row or like, you know, all these things that I painfully consider sometimes and, um, I do think in that, like, again, going back to that, like, element of, like, a raw live show, like, I do appreciate people's social media, but social media accounts, um, that are a bit more kind of spontaneous, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of ha- hashtag unfiltered, you know, for, <laughs> for that, so, um, I don't know, but then, but then, I don't know, there's a part of me too that's like, I want the show to be raw and real and live, and then I want our Instagram and page and website statistically. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. And like, I don't know, for me, I think it just like depends like what you want out of it. Mm-hmm. And like, I just how... like things to look nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same. So, yeah, it I know. It makes me feel better. Yeah, I agree. And I feel the same way about when I like how I interact with social media as well, like Instagram especially, like I don't, I wouldn't really say I necessarily use it that much to be super social in terms of connecting with like friends. I feel like it's more so like I really like it to be kind of like a visual space just like for inspiration and things. Yeah, it's just like a collection of things that you enjoy and that inspire you and I mean, you know, you can use it in whatever way you want, because I, I appreciate people who use it as uh, kind of a platform for their voice, to, like, be heard, to kind of rant and, and, and express themselves with, with, you know, photos of themselves and ranting, and then other people who just kind of, like, curate a collection of things that are nice to them. And so when you show somebody your personal Instagram account that's, like, a collection of things that you like, you're like, these are things I like. This is kind of me in a nutshell. When I look at this, it makes me really happy, and so I just wanted to share with you these are things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. There's no right way. There's no, yeah. Mm-hmm. To each their own. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dino had kind of told me um, that you, for fashion and stuff, like you're into wearing a lot of vintage or kind of sustainably or locally sourced clothing. He also said he might have 
totally just pulled that out of thin air. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm really into kind of sustainable and ethical fashion myself. That's kind of like what I want to get into. And I have a small brand of my own. Um, but could you kind of elaborate? Like, I don't know how useful this is going to be for anyone except for me. But could you elaborate a little bit more on this? Yeah, um, I definitely kind of feel like I had a bit of a wake-up call with the fast fashion industry um, a couple of years ago. Uh, I went down that dark road of all those documentaries, and which, I mean, I think everybody should watch those. Um, I'm trying to think of what's the, what was that, like, that was like the big one that came out. I can't remember the name of it right now. But. The most recent one that I've seen was that new Netflix one, The True Cost. Oh my god, yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Because uh, there's, there's lots of really, really great other ones as well. But there's the so many, cost, yeah. It's such an kind of uh, easy, is not the right word, but I was going to say like easy way to kind of digestible. Yeah, just kind of like get your toes wet with uh, some of that information. And then once you've seen that, you can kind of do your own research. And uh, yeah, that, that, that really made me consider like, you know what, like as a consumer, you have an opportunity to kind of, you know, vote with your wallet with with all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff in your life, not just with your clothes and your food and everything as well. But um, mm-hmm. you know, you you have a choice. Like do you want to support this or not? And um as somebody who likes to put together outfits for shows, I really enjoy that. Um I really, really, really try very hard to avoid at all costs fast fashion. Um, I don't say that I never um, wear that because that's, it's not impossible, but I feel like there's times when, like, you need a bodysuit, you need a black bodysuit, and, like, you know, it's, it's there for you. Um, not to say you couldn't find it elsewhere, but sometimes, you know, time or budget is a consideration, but I do think if you make the, the time and effort to source the majority of your wardrobe elsewhere, is it's going to make a huge difference, like if everybody did that. Um, so I like to wear, like, vintage pieces. Like, whenever we go touring, like, you know, we like to stop in vintage shops and just kind of, like, touch around and, like, grab some things. Like, the, bo- the boys really like grabbing some, like, interesting, unique pieces as well, so it's kind of fun that we can, like, all stop in there and just kind of see what's around and um, also, I've worked with some really amazing artists in, in Vancouver and elsewhere that um, create really amazing outfits here um, in town. And so, you know, there's a lot of, like, custom-made pieces that I have had that I've hired um, some of my friends to create for me. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just like a couple... A couple things at a time, and I, I just think it is really important, especially if you're, like, kind of flaunting your style and out with some stage, like, take a little bit of extra time and effort to, like, just, just set a better, you know, be a better fashion role model for people, and, like, show people that you don't have to be lazy, or, like, you know, you can still look good not shopping at you know, H&M or Forever 21 or any of those places, um, and, um, yeah, and then also when you go vintage shopping, for the majority of what you purchase, you're gonna have a, such a unique, different style from anybody else. And you, 
Anyway, he's not going to show up to work wearing, like, the exact same red cardigan that you both got at H&M. And it's like, oh, wow, what about that? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, you will kind of come into your own sense of style, I feel like, and you will kind of have more of a individualized look just by default. So, that's that you're after, then, you know, that's, that's definitely something that you could do. Um, I haven't done a ton of thrifting in Vancouver, but, like, where are some good spots? Like, where should I go? Um, there are, um, normally when my friends and I go out, uh, and we have the car, we like to go out to the suburbs, because the suburbs usually have better choices because they're less picked over, and also there's, I feel like people who have, who are kind of bored with money, and, uh, you know, so they, there's like a higher turnover of, like, interesting things. Um, so I like going to like New West or Coquitlam or um, some stores out there. Obviously, like Value Village is like a big one, but it, yeah, it's it's got great selection. It's so big. I kind of feel it's like a, lot. a moral. Yeah, I feel like this like a moral conundrum with it as, itself because it's a for-profit business that like. I don't know. It's apparently quite like homophobic. It's owned by Walmart. Yeah, that's pretty bad. So I mean, there's there's times when you're like, okay, well, everything's fucked, so just burn it all. But like, okay, well, it's like you can't avoid Value Village. I mean, you can, but um, sometimes Value Village is great. I actually just don't really go to the Salvation Army because they are definitely a shit vintage um, a chain supplier. Like, I don't believe with them or their values at all, but. Um, there's some really cool, like, curated places in Vancouver. Um, there's, um, a place called Community Thrift and Vintage that has, like, really great, um, selection. There's, like, a men's and a women's one in Gastown, and then there's one called Duchess Vintage, and then there's, like, the East Side Flea, which is, um, like, bi-weekly, uh, at, like, a warehouse that has, like, a lot of different vintage vendors that, like, come and set up shop there. Cool. I love a flea market. I love just, like, a bin that just has, like, a $5 label that probably exactly. is filled with garbage, but mm-hmm. maybe, like, I've gotten some good little bits and things like that. But, yeah, I guess, do you have kind of coming up, you said you're working on an album right now with the band, but are you guys doing any other kind of, like, projects or touring later this year? Or? Um, we... Because we've kind of just been in hibernation mode, just writing, I would just say to look us up on Instagram at Blonde Diamond Music or Facebook, Twitter, and get some updates on new shows as we post them and like new tour updates, and then also new music snippets and little like sneak peeks of stuff that we're working on. Um, that would definitely be the best place to get up to date on all the good Cool. Thank you so much, Alexis. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and thanks again to Alexis for coming on the podcast. Be sure to follow Blonde Diamond Music on Instagram to stay up to date with their upcoming shows and releases. I've also linked to the show notes for this episode in the description, so please check those out for photos, links, and any other information on the topics that we discussed during the episode. 
If you enjoy Offkey, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really do help. And if you have any other topics that you'd like me to bring up with one of our next guests, please either email me at offkey at membran.net or you can send me a message at either membranlabs or Linsa Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, which is our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs. We're a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We are also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membran Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranlabs.com. That's it for now. I'll see you next Monday, and I'll play you out with Dark Place by Blanche Diamond. Thanks.
just want to repeat this. I just want to repeat this. I just want to repeat this.